Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Rangers going to the World Series. You just keep saying it. It's a lot of fun. Matt Hicks joining us now, Rangers Radio Network. And uh, Matt's had a fun night. He's had a late night. Got back early this morning. But, Matt, I bet you didn't mind missing out on a little sleep. What a uh, what a huge moment for uh, uh, for the Rangers, their fan base, for your radio crew. Uh, how, does it, how does it feel this morning? Are you still just kind of reminding yourself, pinching yourself that that happened? Hey, can you hear me? I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's been, Matty, it's been crazy. Um, you know, we didn't get back home. We didn't land, uh, in Dallas until about, uh, between two thirty and three this morning. And, um, I didn't get into my car and on the way home for a while, didn't get home until about four, didn't get to bed until about six this morning. Um, and was just kind of thoroughly exhausted by that time. So I didn't get up until about one thirty this afternoon. And, uh, the first, the first thing, the first thing that I did was <laughs> maybe wrongly, uh, was to pick up my phone and the number of people that have reached out. And I tried to respond to everybody that had texted me. Uh, and that's all I've done today. So I am actually just pulling out, uh, and I don't know if I can say the name of the establishment, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just pulling out of a firehouse subs mm-hmm. uh, because I need to eat something. I haven't even eaten today. <laughs> uh, and so that's kind of how crazy the day has been. And literally, like, I haven't responded to anyone on my emails uh, really haven't responded to anyone on social media. It's just it's just been uh, kind of crazy uh, ever since uh, the Rangers won last night. What do you, when Seager hit that home run? I mean, it, it it didn't it just seem like it calmed. I mean, uh, it just made everything kind of like, oh wow, they've gotten to them already, and it, it was already a nervous crowd. I mean, I'm sure they were loud, but, boy, to immediately mute that crowd, and I say immediately, he was a second hitter up, but, boy, that really set the tone. And then, for whatever reason, three runs, and then and then seeing their pitcher get knocked out that quickly, it just knocked everything out of that building. Not that they couldn't have overcome a three-run lead, but, it, man, it just – you talk about all the air out of that building, and, and I, I think it started to be kind of a, a doom and gloom type audience, kind of like, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is not going to work out for us. And they continued their losing ways at home. But, man, what was that like? You were sitting there calling that action to, for Seeger to do that. Didn't, that just felt huge to land a punch right away. Well, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, there's no question about the fact that his home run and then the subsequent two runs that inning definitely sucked the air out of that building. <clears throat> now, 
can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. Because you know I always am. I didn't. I didn't see that home run. <laughs> and let me and let me and let me tell you why. Because you know Simeon was retired, but we were having just a couple of technical issues, and so at that moment before Seeger hit the home run, I had taken off my headset, and it turned to speak to our engineer. And while I was speaking with her, I heard this sound. There was the sound of an explosion. And so I turned. Of course, Eric was on the call, was right on it, but yeah. I couldn't pick up the ball. So I didn't see the ball. I didn't see the majestic flight of that ball as he described it going into the second. Hitting one into the second deck in Houston is no small accomplishment. But unfortunately for me personally, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but... My yeah. my thought was, yes, this is one heck of a way to throw down the gauntlet and say, hey, hey, we're here for game seven. And then you're right, Matt, because the Rangers scored the three runs, but remember, had the bases loaded with only one out and couldn't get anything else across. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt the club because my mind went back to my many years in the minor leagues. And I had the opportunity to call a couple of championship series in the minor leagues. And it took me back to my second year in pro ball in 1990, when the team that I was calling the play-by-play for in a deciding game of a championship series fell behind five to nothing after three innings. And I remember how terrible I felt like, Oh my goodness, against a team that was clearly the class of the league that year. And, you know, are we going to be able to come back? And we did. And we came back and we won that game, which again was the final game of a championship series. And I thought a three, nothing lead after a half an inning is nothing to be incredibly pleased about because there's a lot of work still left to do. Yeah, and and then Adolis did what Adolis does, and that was remarkable. Uh, and and then to see him end up breaking Nelly's record for most RBIs in a series, um, the ALCS with what fifteen. I mean, he's just wired differently than pretty much anybody in baseball. And, and, and just from an emotional standpoint, he just folks feed off of him. Because Seeger's great, but Seeger's is wired. He, he's wired differently. And, and that was what Seeger kept saying last night. Isn't he, he, they asked him about Adolis. He said, he's a bad man, isn't he? And it's just like. He it was like he lives for that. I mean, the, the the four strikeouts. You wondered if they were getting to him Sunday night. You had to wonder that the way he was sure. swinging and all the strikeouts, and then he hits the grand slam. And I guess like if it's a movie or whatever, like that's the turning point or that's the big. Because again, they were up five two, but for some reason that punctuation that was just kind of like uh oh, uh oh, what what have we done here? What have we done? Yeah. This guy just responded, and then he just carried on and had one of those unbelievable games. Um, it just, it's got to be so much fun to be around him 
and then just to call these games because he's uh, he's going to go down as one of the more beloved players and what he was DFA'd just, what, a couple of years ago. And, and of course, the Cardinals did the same thing. Um, basically gave up on him, right? And, and he, he, he's going to end up becoming perhaps one of the more important players in team history. It's just kind of crazy when you think about all that. It, it is crazy when you take all of that in. And, you know, you go to the quote uh, from McCory about Adolis being a bad man, and it's and I, and I understand that connotation, but he's actually a very good man. He is a family man. Uh, and uh, just a, a little insight into Adolis when we were in, <clears throat> pardon me, when we were in Chicago earlier this year playing the White Sox, I asked him in particular about his friendship with uh, fellow Cuban Luis Robert, uh, and uh, if, in fact, um, he considered him to be his best friend. And Adolis' response was, all of my friends are my good friends. Um, And he's got a lot of very good friends and a lot of people that care about him, a lot of people that he cares about. Um, And it's really sort of unique for us to be in a position to get to see that side of Adolis, the family man that he is, uh, the good-hearted friend that he is to so many. But then when he puts on the uniform, and in this situation with everything that developed late in this series, to become public enemy number one in Houston and to have the kind of games that he had in game six and game seven were clearly in game six after that thunderous negative uh, greeting that he got from the Houston fans. And it wasn't when he first came up to bat. It was when he was introduced in the starting lineup. Uh, It was probably more thunderous from a negative perspective than what um, Jose Altuve uh, got every time he came to bat in Arlington. Uh, And clearly I think that impacted him because it looked like he was trying to do too much you know, it looked like he was trying to hit the 10-run home run. And then for him to hit the slam like he did, essentially replicating his performance from early September against Minnesota when he had struck out four times and then came up in the ninth inning and hit a walk-off home run to beat the Twins. Now he hits a sort of a clinching slam in Game 6. And then for him to receive the same greeting early in Game 7 – But each time he came up, he did something positive. He drove in a run each of his first three times up, one time driving in two. And each time it's like the Houston fans were like, oh, I can't even boo him as hard as I did before. And those (laughs) boos, the boo level, the boo level came down each time. And by the time he came up for his final at bat last night, they didn't have it in them. They, they, They couldn't even summon up the anger. Uh, it truly was remarkable to watch. And I, I couldn't be happier for him and how he was able to respond and to rebound from those four strikeouts in game six. I mean, he's just incredible uh, to watch his emotion and, and all of that. And who knows where he'll stack up as far as like most beloved Rangers ever. I was thinking earlier, I brought this up, Pudge, Beltray. Michael, Nolan, I mean, those were the names, obviously, that came to mind. But I thought after this series, and, of course, sometimes we're, we got recency bias, but Adolis is like 
kind of headed that direction. I mean, I, who knows where he'll end up, but it's just uh, there's just something about, about the way he plays the game and all the emotion. And it just this team, that's what makes them so perfect because they got a bunch of guys that are fairly quiet and, and in some ways like to stay to themselves. Uh, and yet this guy is just the emotion. It's just it's a really cool team, the way up and down. And it's not constructed like every other team, right? I mean, you've got Garver right. all, almost in the everyday lineup. You've got Heim. So you've got these two catchers. Most teams like Houston, they can't even get their good hitting catcher into a game, right? And everybody gets mad yep. at the manager because he can't get him into a game soon enough. And then they bring up the 21-year-old. Uh, so – there's just so many unbelievable storylines with this team. And then Evan Carter, the rookie I was just talking about, with that that was a huge – I mean, to, to get that double, the two-run, uh, I mean, you know, to go up 6-2, in a sense, that was the moment. I, again, you know, not that you breathe that easily, but it felt like that was like a dagger-type deal. You know, and everything else after that, they piled on. But that was a huge mm-hmm. moment. Man, I tell you what, in the booth, and Eric had the call on that one, and uh, I was paying attention on that at bat. I had my <laughs> headphones on. I was ready to make a comment. But I think I had more of a visceral reaction to Carter's two-run double than any other play in the ball game because I felt like that was probably the moment that the Rangers separated themselves from the Astros, right? You, you go from 4-2 to 6-2. Um, and yet another incredible story, you know, uh, Evan Carter, he might not be putting up the kind of gaudy numbers that Adolis is capable of putting up and did in this series, but he does something positive every game to help you win a game. Uh, and to be 21, to have spent most of the season at double a, to get just a little taste of triple a. And then to come to the big leagues and to have the kind of impact that he's had on this ball club is truly remarkable, again, given his age. But he is so mature for his age. And you, you, you talk about the Adolis story about being DFA'd, you know, for, for Mike fulton And then to be able to uh, stay in the system, <clears throat> to plow his way, back into favor and Evan Carter, it's a different story. You know, the, the Rangers as an organization were excoriated when Carter was drafted in the second round because nobody else in baseball had him on their draft boards. Like forget that he was taken in the second round. There wasn't anybody targeting him to be drafted at all, period. And when the Rangers drafted him, all of these so-called experts were like, why is Texas throwing away its second-round pick? What are they doing? This kid's never going to play in the big leagues. How satisfying that has to be, <clears throat> pardon me, for uh, Kip Fag and everyone else in the Rangers scouting department to have Carter not only make it to the big leagues as quickly as he has, but for him to be the three-hole hitter and delivering some of the most important hits for this club this season. I just I can't imagine how happy everyone is that was involved in that decision. How fun will it be, Matt Hicks, to watch another game seven 
without all the emotion. You know, it'll be interesting to find out who the Rangers are playing, but but you don't have all this emotion, and you could actually sit back and just kind of enjoy a baseball game tonight. Do you have any preference? I know the Rangers have this weird streak against the Phillies, I think I saw, which is odd. Um, it, it was it like 12 straight wins? I mean, and of course, that right. has to be over a, a few seasons. And then, of course, right. the D-backs, who we didn't expect to take it this far. Um, any any preference from you or any particular team you think they match up with better? I, I don't uh, have a preference. I think um, a lot of people think that the Diamondbacks would be – uh, an easier opponent, if I can use that very simple word, uh, compared to the Phillies. Um, but having said that, um, we swept the Phillies to begin the year. And you're right, you referenced the um, – uh, let's see here. What am I doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um we swept the Phillies earlier this year. We did not play well against the Diamondbacks. And if the Diamondbacks, <clears throat> pardon me, man, if the Diamondbacks win tonight, they're better than the Phillies. And we'll have proven so over a seven-game series. Yeah. So I think that whole thing about the, the Phillies being better than the Diamondbacks goes out the window if the Diamondbacks win today. And like I said, we didn't play as well against Arizona. Um, so I really... I really don't have a preference. I think you can argue that the Phillies have a better lineup than the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks have some very capable bats in their lineup and some guys that have just been really, you know, they have some really difficult outs in that lineup. You know, Corbin Carroll is an obvious one. Christian Walker is as well. But a guy like Geraldo Perdomo that people go, uh, who's he? He is one tough out. Um, and he's one of those guys that pitchers hate to face because, uh-oh, well, I'm going to need to throw 10 or 12 pitches here just to get this guy out. So I really don't have a preference. I don't know as though the Rangers have a preference. For me personally, I might be rooting for the Phillies because that means I get to go back to the East Coast and see my daughter for a few more days. Oh, nice. Uh, but that's a that's a personal preference. Um <laughs> Um, so anyway, I, I, I might be rooting a little bit for the Phillies just because of that, uh, but, but not for any baseball reasons. Now, do announcers have a, a little champagne toast or a beer or something uh, or whatever your choice might be after something like that? While everybody's celebrating, y'all are still doing interviews and, and, and doing the post game, and then you hand it over. Did you at least kind of sneak down there afterwards and, and take part in some of the celebration? How do you handle that? No, there was no sneaking. Jared, of course, got to be a part of it because he was down there doing all of the interviews. Um, you know, Eric had to ride shotgun over our coverage. And uh, then once we were done with our extended coverage, we obviously had to help wrap up because, you know, we, we had to get the uh, gear uh, down onto the truck. So so we weren't down and a part of the celebration in the past. You know, for, for special moments, we have had a bottle of champagne uh, to share uh, amongst ourselves, um, the Astros radio guys who are great, uh, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks and their engineer, Matt Boltz, uh, they actually offered us uh, some beer, but we declined 
And I think a part of it is just getting old. Uh, I really can't have alcohol right now because of some of the medications I'm on. And uh, Eric had to decline as well. So the only thing that we had in the booth, I drank some water and Eric ate some Cracker Jack. <laughs> and, and that was it. <laughs> it's Cracker Jacks. I hope he got a good prize. I hope it was a good one. And, uh, and uh, boy, I, and I, I really appreciate this. Uh, glad you got just a little bit of rest this morning. And I know you got everybody trying to get you on right now, so it really means a lot, uh, Matt, that you worked us in. Uh, take some of that throat coat. Uh, Eric is the one who put me on to throat coat herbal tea uh, many years ago, and it, it's an amazing yep. thing. But uh, but you sound great, so I, you don't need a lot of it, but maybe a little honey and, <laughs> and uh, throat coat. But uh, I appreciate it, and, uh, man, we'll look forward to hearing from you in the World Series. It starts Friday night. Pretty exciting. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. You bet. You bet. There he goes. Matt Hicks, Rangers Radio Network.